Hey, you're listening to the Canadian Asian Missional Podcast. This is episode 34, and today is our second part with our conversation with Reverend Dr. Soong Chan Ra. If you haven't caught up on the first part, that's episode 33, make sure you go back and listen to that one first. And today, we're going to continue that conversation with talking about the practice of lament and how does that shape our theology and who we are as a people. Let's do this! Just to kind of shift the conversation a little bit, we're talking a lot about how certain practices, relationships, and theologies that shape us. One of the things that you mentioned in your book was reclaiming a theology of suffering. Mm. And I think this actually was a very cool bridge over to your most recent book about prophetic lamentations, a call for justice in troubled times. And, you know, lament does recognize struggles, suffering, how the world is not what it should be, and even the ch- what the church should be, yeah. <laughs> and challenges the status quo. So, yeah. you know, for those who haven't read it, you know, what have you kind of discovered about the practice of lamenting, why yeah. it's necessary for us in the church? And as a side note, are Asians good at <laughs> lamenting? <laughs> That's a great question. Uh, so the book is Prophetic Lament. It's a commentary in the Book of Lamentations. So I do an exegetical study of Lamentations, but it's part of a commentary series that actually is now defunct. But the intention, the original <laughs> intention of the commentary series yes. was to write an exegetical commentary that was relating to social ecclesial issues. So it provides the exegesis and then it gives kind of a contemporary example application. Mm-hmm. Um, so I took the Book of Lamentations and I applied it to issues around race, culture, yeah. justice, etc. The reason I chose the Book of Lamentations, and this is something I write in the book, when I planted the church in 1996, I was planning a church right in Cambridge, Massachusetts, which is, as some of you know, uh, home to Harvard and MIT. We were right in between Harvard and MIT. One, uh, one train stop north, one train stop south. You were at Harvard, you were at MIT. And I was a campus minister at MIT. So we drew a lot of students to the church. And these were students with extraordinary capacity, right? These were, yeah, Harvard MIT students. <laughs> this is the cream of the crop. They got there because they got perfect scores in their SATs, perfect GPAs. So many of them had never known failure. Right. Now, many of them, I mean, they say they suffered because they got a B in chemistry. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's suffering for Harvard MIT students. Maybe they suffered from their parents. <laughs> right, yeah, their parents. Yeah, what was that? Only the Asian, Asian F, though, which is yeah. an A minus. Asian F. <laughs> <laughs> So you had these amazing students who, by and large, had experienced success all of their lives. Mm-hmm. And what I was trying to do is get them to connect to a city that was suffering. And I realized that there wasn't a natural bridge because many of them, these were second generation who grew up fairly comfortable. You know, their parents had worked hard to give them a nice home. They went to nice suburban schools and they came to Harvard and MIT. So they had not really encountered some of the pain and suffering within a city like Cambridge and Boston, which mm-hmm. is where our church was. So the very first sermon series that I did at the church plan opening was the series on Lamentations, okay. which now, you know, I'm a church planning professor. I would never say do that for church planning, you know, <laughs> not <laughs> use it. Yeah, it's not user-friendly. It's not going to draw people in. It's one of the most depressing books of the Bible. 
I was surprised, pleasantly surprised, by how many young people resonated with that. And yes. my intention was, you have these incredibly successful people who have not known suffering, and if they're going to engage in urban ministry and justice ministry, they've got to understand that better, right. And which is why I introduced them to the Book of Lamentations. So that's the backdrop of how this book was written. And then realizing on the larger scale of especially Western and North American Christianity, we don't know how to deal with suffering. Right. We don't know what suffering does. I've seen so many places, even like on Good Friday, which ends with suffering. I've seen churches like do a happy song at the end of a good yeah. Friday. I'm like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> Wait till Sunday, just two lousy days. Wait two lousy days before you sing, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. This is the moment of Christ's suffering sure. on the cross. The mm-hmm. resurrection is two days away, three days away. So um, you're, you're dealing with that kind of general movement towards celebration rather than suffering. So I think that's why we need to reintroduce that more. And this is where Asian Christianity and global Christianity is a great corrective to that. So one corrective would be within the the U.S., the African-American churches and the way they use lament is in response to their suffering. And I think Asians actually have that as well. Um, There's a book by James Cone called Spirituality in the Blues, where he talks about how African-American and Korean-American or Korean spirituality has a lot of overlap. And he says that the blues of African-American culture, like kind of the the soulful sense of suffering, but the music comes out of that soulful suffering, is very gospel music, blues music. It's very similar to Korean theology and Korean expressions. Korea has been a multi-conquered nation. Right. You know, every, Mm -hmm. it's a small peninsula, conquered by China, conquered by Japan, conquered by the U.S., conquered, separated out. There's a long history of suffering and comfort women, you know, all of this stuff, uh, persecution of the church. And yet out of that comes a profound theology. And right. Cohn says there's a connection there between the lament in the African-American community and the lament in the Korean community. What I found is, though, in, in some of this kind of giving into Western Christianity is the loss of that suffering and lament narrative. Mm. And uh, the second, third generation doesn't know the, the rich heritage of right. learning that suffering persecution history, yeah. you know. How amazing would it be if we were able to preach about the suffering church in Korea generations ago? Not just the mega churches in Korea now, but the mega churches are there because you had martyrs, mm-hmm. you know, 50, 60 years ago. Or talk about the persecution of the house churches in China. That's, you know, but that has led to the incredible proliferation of Christianity. Those are lamentable and yet joyful moments in church history that we don't tend to talk about. Sure. That's in our heritage. That's in our story. And we've got to re- re- reclaim some of these stories. Yeah. Is it because we're more enthralled into our Western heritage, tri- the triumphalism that yeah. we talk about? And that, that I find that it, even in my congregation, that's what I find people are wrapped up in that. It's like, I, I, I built myself up to this place. Yeah. They won't say they're entitled, but they, they got to that point. But it's just like, yeah, I, I haven't really experienced suffering. So that's their narrative at play right now. Well, that's where it's interesting that because Asian North Americans have bought into this kind of Western dream of yeah. material success, mm-hmm. and let's be honest, we've done it well. Tofu, we've absorbed these flavors well. <laughs> uh, so well that we're oftentimes put forth as the model minority. So yeah. there's a couple of factors there that I think maybe in ministry we can start addressing. One is to change the narrative around the Asian story a little bit. And that, we got to maybe include a little more of the non-East Asian narrative, right? Mm -hmm. Because the Southeast Asian narrative is a little bit different. 
And they've also had some success economically, but their narrative is different. Cambodian refugees, uh, Laotian refugees, there's sure. a little bit of a yeah. different story there. How do we begin to incorporate that into the larger narrative of Asian North American uh, story, that this is a community that comes out of profound suffering, mm-hmm. and it's more recent than maybe some of the, the Chinese, Japanese, Korean immigration? So we've got to kind of tap into those stories as well. Especially challenging for, you know, Cantonese, Hong Kong-speaking Yeah. Because like, we, we came in not as kind of like blue collar, like right. many, many of the, the Cantonese Hong Kong folks, like when they came, they were white collar. Right. Like mm-hmm. we were right. able to speak English. Right. We were able to come in right in, like into the culture itself right. and almost like a part of the culture. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think it's, it's doubly hard, mm-hmm. um, yeah. especially that suffering piece. Cause like suffering, like yeah. Yeah. it's not part of our narrative. Right? Yeah. But, but then that's what I find if I were to be honest most of the things that we can only experience in a lamentable way is like cancer, mm-hmm. something you right. cannot control, mm-hmm. something right. you didn't pull up yourself by bootstraps with. Mm-hmm. And that's what I find is, oh, when, when that hits, when the health scare hits, yeah. uh, we can't do anything. Yeah. But, we, the, but everything else we can kind of you know, get away with and, and move past. But now it's like, uh, th- that's what I find in, yeah. in, in my experience. But, but I wonder if it's also like we've been so desensitized to actually sitting at suffering because we don't want to be uncomfortable right. in those yeah. places. And, but then it's important because that's, that's part of, you know, lamentation brings change, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the whole prophetic part. But we just, like, we just feel so uncomfortable that we just kind of flee away from it. Uh, and even in our culture, like pain and suffering, like that's why we have Advil, mm. uh, Tylenol, <laughs> right? Like we just want it yeah. immediately gone. Yeah. And so we don't have to think about it. We don't have to experience it. Yeah. But there's something about that space. But I think it's part of the nature of, of lamenting is it is disruptive, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. It just challenge us. It does make us reevaluate. And so, yeah, that's part of what it does, right? It just, it just pushes us into those spaces where we don't have control and how do we then respond, especially as people who have a hope in Christ. Mm. And so I think the final question would be, how can we really open up practical space to lament mm. in authentic, hopeful, reconciling ways and honest ways yeah. without shifting to blaming or mm. acting mm. out of anger mm. or, into, or falling into rage or defeatism. <laughs> so what does it actually for us to really enter into that, that kind of practice? If somebody has the answer, please tell me. Because that's, <laughs> yeah, you, you, got, you got shot for some of that. <laughs> <laughs> Not physically, but emotionally, yeah. yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a great question. Well, maybe this ties in with some of the earlier comments about I'm finding individual lament kind of wears out fairly quickly. Okay. Um, so when I, you know, because there are ways to address individual pain. Take an Advil. You know, I, I, had a, I had foot pain the other day. I went to a doctor. He gave me a shot. Oh, I feel better. <laughs> <laughs> that individual pain is so much easier to deal with. And I talk about this in terms of lament and guilt. Guilt, is a, because that's more of an individual construct, is a lot easier to deal with. Mm-hmm. So if you feel guilty about a racist thought, you do a thing that gets rid of that racist thought by doing a good thing 10 years later. You, know, you, you, know, <laughs> you, you do something nice. You read a book, and <laughs> now you've done, did away with guilt. And this is where Asian-American culture is helpful, because we're not guilt-based, we're shame-based. Right? Right. And so shame, which is much more corporate identity, is is much harder to identify and deal with, but it has a more powerful impact, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're dealing with individual guilt, you just give them an aspirin and they can deal with the individual guilt, right? If you're dealing with corporate shame, 
Now you've got to work this out in community. Oh, wow. Now yes. you've got to work this out. And it's the only place you can do it is actually in the church because you can't do it on your own. You can take an aspirin on your own. You can even pray on your own to absolve yourself of guilt. But the way you work out corporate shame or corporate pain is through the community. This is where I think the church really fills a void that society can't, right? Society, government can't enforce shame. <laughs> you know, <laughs> government can't force you to feel shame. The church can actually point you towards shame at least, right? Mm. To say, you know, that's, this is why I say, you know, yeah, you might say there's, you know, the cancer is a big example of we lament this individual cancer diagnosis. But what if you were to say, but let's also lament, and, and this is not true in Canada, it's true in the U.S., let's also lament the lack of a medical care system. <laughs> you all have it. We don't have it. <laughs> Just have a slow system. <laughs> yeah. But let's, uh, you know, that actually doesn't allow for health care for, for a number of people. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you can lament, all right, we feel bad that this pastor is getting deported. That's, and you should feel bad. But let's lament a system that has actually created this hostility towards outsiders. Right. I feel bad that I thought a bad word about an ethnic person 10 years ago. But let's lament the system that uh, that so devalues black and brown bodies that they can be killed without anybody, you know, giving a second thought about it. Mm. And this is this is very Asian, right? Yeah. <laughs> this is an Asian, I, the way I describe it is when a, a white American kid doesn't get into Harvard, the parents say, oh, well, you know, so what? You can go to, you know, a local school, whatever. When a Korean kid doesn't get into Harvard, your grandparents are so disappointed in you. Sure. Your ancestors are spinning in their grave. <laughs> your whole clan and your whole tribe is now disappointed in you. All that's the a, sacrifices that's have right. been wasted. Sacrifices. You are not part of our family that's anymore. Right. You are disavowed for not getting into Harvard. So you see kind of the difference between the individual guilt feeling versus the shame feeling. Yeah. Shame feelings are hard. Now, I'm not saying, you know, that's the right way to treat your kids, but I'm saying that there's something there that is much more difficult to work through and process. And that's why I think it's easy to give the individual answer, you feel bad, a member of your family has cancer, and those are legitimate pains. Let's deal with it. But is there a corporate shame? Is there an ecclesial shame that we need to deal with? I think there's a contemporary narrative that's unfolding even right now, which is happening in Hong Kong. Mm. The whole umbrella movement. Yes. And at 1.3 million people showed up to protest. Yes, yes. yeah, I mean, right. talk about kind of the, the corporate, I mean, there's a lot of lamentation because it happened like yes. 10 years ago, right? And that's, that's a narrative that's unfolding. And, you know, even here in, in Toronto, like many people are affected by it. There's like even the discussion of like, there's a second wave of immigration that's happening. And, and all of that kind of tied into this one event 10 years ago. Yes. Um, in Tiananmen Square. Yes. And it's like, it's, it's fascinating to, yes. to see that. Yeah. So just at the very end, we do our takeaway box. Do you have one word of encouragement or challenge for Asian or Canadian Asian churches as we continually wrestle with who we should be and as God is shaping us to be his people? Wow. One word? No, but maybe a a sentence. Uh, Live it out. Live it out. I think Asian North Americans have a a good tendency to think things through, process through. You know, education has always been a high value for for many of us in our communities. Um, to process in community, those are all good things. But live it out. And that's the hard part. Yeah, um, churches sure. need pastors to live it out. Churches need pastors to demonstrate 
the gospel, not just proclaim it. Yes. Um, so that will be my challenge to those of you who are in ministry. You know, there's not a lot of time in the day to do it. I know it takes 20, 30 hours a week to make that sermon pop for those 20, 30 minutes, <laughs> but um, maybe take an extra hour here and there to be a part of a com- local community organization. Yes. yes. Uh, take an extra hour or two to, uh, you know, to talk to that homeless person or to visit a nursing home. Live it out. And your, your congregation will, will learn more what you model and live rather than what you oftentimes what you just teach amen that's a good word Mm. sung chan thank you so much it's been an honor for you to be part of this conversation with us thank you so much my pleasure good to be here hey thank you guys so much for joining us today and listening in that's a lot to digest and to continue to work through in your community so we'd love to hear from you what is your feedback in regards to how do we practice lament let us know. You can contact us through Facebook or email or Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. If you haven't done so already, please remember to rate and review and subscribe and share this podcast with other people. It really helps this conversation get out there. Once again, you have been listening to the Canadian Asian Missional Podcast, and we hope you'll join us on this journey. See you next time.